You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Happy New Year. Hope that you guys are doing so well. Happy to be back. We are starting the new year with a series entitled Until I Breathe My Last. What we're doing is we're looking at the last words of the disciple Peter. The Apostle Peter, who wrote uh, the books of First and Second Peter, so we're going to be doing a walk through the book of Second Peter, and uh, a little bit of context for this book. Um, Peter was martyred in Rome in 67 A.D. It's believed that this book was written very close to that time, so it's probably 66 or 67 A.D. Written to the early church, and I'll say this about all scripture. Um, but just because we're specifically walking through Second Peter, I would really encourage you to go read that for yourself. Second um, Peter is only three chapters long. It is full of so much wisdom, absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, don't let me be the only one who's telling you about the book of Second Peter. Let the Holy Spirit guide you through uh, the Word of God as you sit down and read it for yourself. It's one of the most amazing things about the Bible is that you and I can read the same passage and the Lord can really highlight different parts of it to each one of us. So we're going to be walking through that book and it's an incredible letter for so many different reasons. But one of the reasons is because of a mindset shift that I think it reminds us to have. I first read in a commentary by N.T. Wright that, that we often think about religion or even scripture as a guide for what God wants from us. But what we need to do is we need to look at scripture and see it as what God wants for us. And the book of Second Peter is a brilliant, amazing, sweet example of just that, that God wants something for his people. It's not just a list of rules that he wants from us. So as we walk through the series, remember that we serve a God who wants things for us and who he himself is for us. It isn't about wanting something from us, but it's a God who loves us enough to do things for us. I mean, he did the ultimate thing for us, but he continues to want things for us as we follow him. So over the next month or so, I want to cover as much of this book as possible. I would love to say that we're going to touch every single verse in the book of Second Peter. I don't know if we'll quite get there. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Um, but I want to do the best that we can. So we're going to start right at the very beginning in Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verses 1 and 2. It says this, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I think it would be really easy for us to read scripture and think about how different it was how different it was to follow Jesus back then. I mean, it's really uh, natural, I think, for us to think about Peter and we're like, man, Peter got to literally walk with Jesus. Like that is incredible. And on a human, like on a practical level, like that is, that is absolutely unbelievable. I think that there was probably even a little bit of a disconnect from his audience that he's writing this letter to and he himself, right? This is 67 AD, um, decades after Peter had walked with Jesus. And I'm sure the early church is like, yeah, like, okay, like you're saying these things, but like you got to like sit and eat with Jesus and walk with Jesus and you got to see Jesus's miracles. And, and most of us didn't get to see any of that. Maybe some of the older people in our congregation did like all of those different things. And I think what Peter's doing here is he's reminding them that they share in the exact same faith that he has in the exact same relationship with Jesus that he has. When he says, um, I'm a servant and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, but remember that you have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Like it's important that Peter is is saying, hey, we're in this together. That that what we're doing, this pursuit, is a collective one. And that's our first point, is that it's a collective pursuit. 
don't know if you're like me, but when a new year rolls around, I think about ways that I want to be more committed in lots of different areas of my life. But uh, one of the areas is definitely areas that I want to be more committed in my faith, in my walk with Jesus, whether it's reading scripture more, praying more, switching things up, like dedicating more silence and solitude, like all those different things. And I think I, I really like starting the year reading through this passage because we get to hear this encouragement that we're not alone in this. And I think one of the reasons that we often fall off a lot of our, whether you call them New Year's resolutions or goals or whatever, is because we often feel like we are in it alone. But I think it's important that we understand that we're never alone in our pursuit of Jesus. One, because we have one another. Like, the community of, of young adults, um, or your church, or maybe the, you have a greater, um, maybe like a national group that you're a part of, or maybe you just have a small group that you're a part of, of friends and family who love following Jesus as well. You're in a collective pursuit. It's a huge benefit to have people around you, to surround yourself with people who are in pursuit of Jesus as well. So we're not alone in that way. But also, what what Peter's saying here is, you have a faith equal to mine. So like, understand that those of us who got to walk with Jesus now are walking with you. And that's been true for 2000 years. We get to look at the Peters and the Pauls and the Matthews and the Marks and, you know, the Ruths and all these different people throughout scripture who followed God in incredible ways. But we also get to just follow people who are just a little bit ahead of us, the generations that are just immediately ahead of us. And it's an amazing thing to understand that this is a collective pursuit. And it's not not contained or or uh, consolidated just to our immediate vicinity either. I think one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had, I was uh, 17 years old, I went to Brazil, we went to this incredible mission trip, and a million things happened on the mission trip, but the first time that I ever went on a plane was on my trip to Brazil. So I, I flew from Billings, Montana to Denver, Colorado, Denver, Colorado to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Really crazy experience for a 17-year-old. And, um, we, we land in Brazil. I'm so jacked up. Like my equilibrium's off. My ears are plugged. Like I knew none of the tricks to try to like make sure none of that happened. I had a wicked, wicked headache heading into downtown Sao Paulo, Brazil, one of the biggest cities in the world. Like it's just wild. There's cars swerving all over the place. Like if you've been to other countries, sometimes the rule is it doesn't matter what the light says. If you're bigger, you go. And so I'm just like super jacked. Um, excited. Yes. So jacked, excited, but also jacked up because I just don't know what's going on. And we get to this apartment and we sit in this living room with our translators who are about our age. They're 17 to 20. And we just sit in the living room and we talk about Jesus. We give our testimonies. We talk about what Jesus has done in our life, what Jesus is currently doing, how he's encouraging us, how he's challenging us. And my mind was blown because I was like, wait a second, we are plane rides away but you are serving the exact same Jesus that I am serving. And Jesus is doing the exact same thing in your life that he's doing in my life. And he's challenging you in this way. And all these different things, it was absolutely amazing. It was a beautiful reminder to me that I am never alone in my pursuit of Jesus. I cannot, I cannot have anything put in my way. It doesn't matter if there's geography that, that separates the oceans that separate us. It doesn't matter if there's states that separate us. It doesn't matter if there's physical barriers. Like any of those, we're never alone in our pursuit of Jesus. And so we always understand that it is a collective pursuit, a collective pursuit. Second Peter chapter one, verses three through four goes on to say this. It says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. I want to focus on that beginning part. He has given us everything we need. 
He has given us everything that we need. Now, we can easily jump to the things that, that we have or the gifts that we possess, the talents we possess, but what Peter is communicating is that our pursuit of becoming does not have to be complicated. We sometimes make it complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated because we have everything that we need through Jesus. It is through the knowledge of Jesus that everything else comes. If we know Jesus, we will understand who we are called to be. Our culture is, um, I think, understandably obsessed with identity and because it, it makes sense. Like um, Identity is incredibly important, but let, let's not get this twisted. Our identity is discovered in discovering Jesus. Our identity is discovered in discovering Jesus. He is the foundation and everything flows from it. It doesn't mean that there aren't other contributing factors to who we are as human beings, but everything has to start with Jesus. If we discover who we are in Jesus, our identity will make so much more sense. He has given us everything required for life, and we don't really need to look anywhere else. We just need to look at life through the lens of Christ, and if we do that, our identity is secured. Our identity is clear. The calling is clear. We just need to be people who understand that Jesus has given us everything that we need to live a life committed to him. So as we enter a new year and we think about ways that we are want to become like the quote unquote best versions of ourselves, I hope our primary focus would be to, on becoming who he has called us to be, not who we believe that we should be. We can think about the best version of ourselves, but if we're honest, this is the truth. The best version of ourselves is the version that Jesus is calling us to be. So let's be people who pursue what Jesus is calling us to be and understand that he has given us everything that we need. Verses five through nine go on to say this, for this very reason. Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins." There are a couple different things that I want to touch on out of this section. Uh, The first point would be this, supplement your faith. Supplement your faith. For some of us, that statement might sound wrong. Like, we're like, wait, 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 no. Like, faith is all we need. Grace is all we need. Like, what do you mean supplement your faith? Like, I don't like the way that that sounds. And hear me. We should not be looking for behavior modification. Following Jesus is is absolutely 100% unquestionably rooted in grace. Unmerited favor. We cannot do anything to earn our way into heaven. Okay? You cannot do and have yourself in heaven. You cannot earn yourself into heaven. However, this passage points to Peter's desire for the early church to still, in the understanding that unmerited favor and forgiveness and sacrifice of Jesus is the only way to get in heaven. In, in the understanding of that, he's still saying you need to be people of effort. You need to be people of effort. And I think a lot of us need to hear that today. I think that I'm guilty of, I think a lot of us can be guilty of becoming people who are so thankful for the sacrifice of Christ that we forget to, to live a life of sacrifice ourselves. We become so thankful for the sacrifice of Christ that we forget to live a life of sacrifice ourselves. Peter does not say, replace your faith with. He says, supplement your faith. It means to add to, to in addition to, or to enhance. And this section of scripture actually has a heading that says, growth in the faith. That if we become people who intentionally pursue these things, we will grow in our faith. And that's what we're looking for, right? Growth. We want to become people who are growing. But here's the thing. Growth rarely happens unintentionally. Growth rarely happens unintentionally. 
Now, you might be thinking like, hey, this situation was forced upon me. I went through this traumatic experience. This forced me to grow up. I had to learn, like all those things, 100%. I totally understand that. But in our pursuit of becoming like Jesus, it won't happen if we're sitting on our hands. We want to be people who are still putting in the effort to pursue Jesus. There is intentional pursuit. Peter lists several different things here. And they're all incredible. And I think we could spend plenty of time looking at each one of them. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, love. All incredible things. All things that we should absolutely strive to have. And we won't break down each one, but we can simply point out a commonality between all of them. And it is this. We do not acquire any of those things by accident. We do not acquire endurance by accident or self-control by accident or godliness by accident or goodness by... None of those things happen by accident. I have a friend who went through uh, a really traumatic experience in his life. And uh, as he was reaching the back end of the experience, he was like, you know what I want to start doing? I want to start running marathons. And I was like, hey, everybody copes differently. I would probably do like an office marathon or a new girl marathon, but you're going to run marathons. Good for you. Um, I didn't fully understand it, but I was like, you do you, man, whatever you need to do. And so he did. He started training. And I was so proud of him and the endurance that it requires to run a marathon still like absolutely blows me away. This might be shocking to some of you who know me personally. Uh, I'm not a runner. I would love to be one day. It's my New Year's. It's not my New Year's resolution. But but he was like, I'm going to start running competitively. And I was like, that's awesome. But here's the thing. He did not gain the endurance to run competitively because he thought that he wanted to run competitively. He started running competitively because he put in the work to gain the endurance, not by thinking of running, but actually running. It happened because he started running. I think we have to set out to work on specific things in our own lives. And some of those things might come naturally. Some, we, something might just be like, man, this is, this is something that really is easy for me to step into. And then there's gonna be other things who, that aren't like that at all. Like This is really, really difficult for me to adjust this thing in my life. But Either way, we have to pursue them with our time and with our effort and with our intentionality. Next, Peter uses two words that we cannot miss, and it applies to my friend and his marathons, just like it applies to our pursuit of Jesus. Peter says these two words, increasing measure, increasing measure. What this means is that we will never have everything in the amount that we need it every time, but our goal is to grow in it more and more every day. Following Jesus isn't about arriving. Following Jesus is about becoming. It is a continual process that is simultaneously frustrating and incredibly beautifully forgiving. That we don't have to arrive, but we are called to start becoming. Whether it's self-control or goodness or endurance or godliness or whatever it may be, all these things, we we will never master them. We will never be perfect at any of them. But we can work towards having them in increasing measure. I have more self-control than I did yesterday. I have more knowledge than I did last week. And it's because I intentionally pursued Jesus. We talk about all this all the time. But the beginning of the year is a perfect time to hit it again. We have to remember that we serve a God who appreciates the process. He appreciates the process. Nothing happens in a moment. And he is fully aware of that. You see, we can have all kinds of goals, but if we do not have a workable process to get there, we will not meet meet them. That can be true of our financial goals, our fitness goals, or our spiritual goals, or anything else. 
God has made so many promises, right? In verses three through four, it says, by this, he has given us very great and precious promises. It's a reminder. He has given us so many promises over your life, over my life. However, we can't lose focus on the process while we're in pursuit of the promise. We cannot lose focus on the focus on the process while we are in pursuit of the promise. In fact, any kind of real pursuit requires some kind of process. If we do the simple, obedient work of process, it will lead to increasing measure in so many areas of our lives. And as we gain those things in increasing measure, we become more and more like the people that Jesus is calling us to be. We become more and more like Jesus himself. This uh, section of the passage wraps up verses 10 through 15. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you know them and you're established in truth, I think it's right, as long as I'm in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. The last point is this, temporary lives that get to serve as an eternal reminder. Temporary lives that get to serve as an eternal reminder. Peter talks about this bodily tent because he wants his readers to never forget that this life is but a blip. It's temporary housing. I don't know if you've you've been to church where they've uh, talked about eternity and the pastor gets a rope and he strings out across the room and then like hangs like a single like small paper clip or something on the middle of the rope. It's like, this is your life in a comparison to eternity. Every time they do it, I'm like, man, this is so cheesy. It's so overdone. And then they do it and I'm like blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Like it's such a good reminder to understand that, that this life that we live, this life that we obsess over. In so many different ways. Who am I going to marry? Am I going to have kids? What am I going to do for a profession? Do they like me? Do, am, I, am I popular? Am I this? Am I that? All these things that we just obsess about. It's temporary. It is temporary. And God gave us the life to live. And we're supposed to do the most that we can. We only have one of them. I totally understand. Like, do the most with the life that you have. But also understand it's temporary housing. It's a temporary thing. But this temporary thing does have the opportunity to make an eternal impact on so many people because of the God we serve. We get to make a ch- we ha- we get the chance to make an impact on eternity. A couple things we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Peter's talking about this. I'm going to be a reminder. I'm going to be a reminder. I'm going to be a reminder while I'm here and while I'm gone. I want to be a reminder. Scripture is a book of reminders. Would we not neglect that resource? Let's dig into scripture, be reminded over and over and over again of the love of God, the, the mercy of God, the power of God, all of those things, the things that God is calling us to and the, the things that God wants for us. We also get to use those who have come before us to be reminded of the calling on our lives. So whether it's people in scripture or people who've just walked the faith before us, we get to be reminded. We get to use those around us to do the same. This goes back to the very beginning. We're never alone. It's a collective pursuit over and over and over again. Would we be reminded of that? And also we get the opportunity to be a reminder for others. And my prayer is that we wouldn't neglect that, that we have a position, we have a calling, we have, we've been elected to this, this position if we follow Jesus to also be a reminder for others around us. One of the most beautiful things about following Jesus is that we can simultaneously follow and lead. There will never be a moment in your life or my life where we don't have something to learn. 
We can always learn. We always have to be learners. So we're constantly learning. And it, simultaneously, God is going to give us opportunities to impart that knowledge, impart that wisdom, impart that life experience. Whether we wanted to go through that life experience or not, he's going to give us opportunities to teach people. That's what about being in a family, a collective pursuit is all about, is that we get to be people who simultaneously follow and lead. Peter understood that there was a calling on his life to become more like Jesus every day and to help others do the same until he breathed his last. My prayer is that we would understand the exact same thing until we breathe ours. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.